Hey, good evening, Mosaic. As you guys are coming in, I just want to welcome you to worship this evening. My name is Ashley Covert. If I haven't met you yet, I'm our communication coordinator. Um, I don't know what, what the day has looked like for you all coming in. If it's been kind of scattered like mine has, I just want to invite you to take a minute, take a breath, relax, um, just kind of settle before we continue in our evening of worship. A um, couple things that I want to mention. Now that we are like full swing into summer, um, one of our ministry partners, Camp War Eagle, is also about to be in full swing. So they start first session tomorrow. Um, but what that will mean is throughout the summer, we'll have an influx of their counselors coming to worship with us. So do we happen to have any Camp War Eagle counselors in first hour? They typically come to second hour, but if you see them roaming around, they're going to look like really grungy college students, probably wearing tank tops and shorts. Um, but we're really excited to love on them and, and um, partner with them this summer. A couple other resources I want to make you aware of. You likely have seen our Rhythms books. We still have those available. We also have a digital copy online that you can find um, from our homepage. We also have these prayer cards for this evening. So if you didn't grab one on your way in, make sure you grab one on your way out. Um, Dr. Oliver is going to mention these a bit more during his teach, but these are also available for you. Um, and then the next thing I want to mention is our new website, which might not seem super exciting, um, but the whole goal behind this website is to not only make ministry more accessible to you guys as um, members of Mosaic and Fellowship, but to also make it more accessible for the general public as we do ministry and um, present the gospel to Northwest Arkansas. And she's not going to like that I'm doing this, but Christy Morris and her team have been instrumental in getting this off the ground. It's about a 13-month project and going that they have, have just been working away on this. So if we could give them a round of applause really quick, I'd love that. Awesome. And that's all I've got for you right now. Like I said, we're going to continue in worship. I'm going to invite Tom Toomer up for our prayer pause. Um, he's our prayer team leader, and then we'll keep going. Well, thanks, Ashley. So I've got a question for you. As we begin tonight, where's your heart with God? Is it open or is it closed? Is it distracted or is it struggling? Or is it thankful or joyful? Take a minute right now just to, to do a heart check. Where are you? And as you do a heart check, I'd like you to just verbalize this to God, just silently between you and God. God, here I am, and you know all that's going on within me. Will you meet me here tonight? Well, tonight, as Ashley said, we're kicking off the Rhythm Series and uh, Dr. Oliver is going to be talking about prayer and meditation. So I'd like to share two quotes from our guidebook. They're both found on page 17. The first one is by Rosalind Rinker. And she says regarding prayer, prayer is an expression of the human heart in conversation with God. The more natural the prayer, the more real he becomes. Prayer is a conversation between two people that love each other. 
And then the second is found at the bottom of page 17. It was what the people who put together the guidebook said. I thought it was pretty good. More than anything, prayer is talking with God in relationship. Asking and receiving, listening and speaking. And so tonight as we do our prayer pause, that's what we're going to be asking us to do. Is to listen and to speak, um, to ask and receive. And so, I don't know if you often think about this, but God is the one who invites us here each week because he wants to encounter and engage with us. And it's not as if this is the only place it happens, and we know that, but this is a special place. And so, God wants to encounter us so that we might know him more accurately and more intimately in order that we might love him more fully. And as we do that, then we might express him as we walk among the people that we do. And so I'd like you to think right now, what's one aspect of God that you appreciate, that you value, or maybe an aspect that you struggle with? I'd like you to put to grab a hold of that thought and hang on to it for a minute, okay? So I'll give you just a sec. And it could be something like how good he is or how loving he is. Or I was thinking earlier this afternoon, I'm thankful that he points out sin in my life, but then he doesn't condemn me for that. Or I think my favorite thing, um, Psalm 73, 28 says, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good, that he is right here, that he'll never leave. So what is it for you? What's an aspect of God that you need to grab a hold of tonight? Well, if we can bring up the prayer graphic, and just the reminder, this is kind of what we're trying to do, and the whole idea, the center of it is to re- refocus on who God is, to where we grow in knowing Him more deeply. And so I want to just invite you right now to breathe deeply, take several deep breaths, and just relax in God's presence. And what is it you need to release to him? Is there something that's distracting you or struggling, causing you to struggle tonight of really focusing on God and entering into his presence? If there is, just open your hand and give that to God. Say, God, I give this to you. And now I'd like you to take that aspect of, that you thought about God, and I want you to just kind of ponder that. I want you to, the whole idea of meditation, but chew that, chew on that and ask God, God, what do you want me to know about you in this way? So let's take just a couple minutes to just be quiet and engage with God in that.
And as, there, as you ponder that, is there anything God wants to give you that he wants you to receive? Some, a deeper way he wants you to know him in that? Father, thank you. Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here, that we are in your presence. And we say to you, Lord, we want to receive from you what you have for us tonight, but we also want to give back to you our love, our gratitude, our worship. And so would you receive that? Amen. Play mosaic as we begin our worship tonight. Um, it's formatted a little differently. We're going to be going through some principles through Lectio Divina. And if you've never heard of Lectio Divina, it translates the divine reading. And it's an ancient practice of scripture reading and meditation and prayer that draws us deeper into God's word and connection with Him. Um, there are several elements of this. One is pause then rejoicing and reflecting, asking and yielding to God. And each song that we're going to sing tonight reflects one of those themes. So we're going to begin with pausing. I invite you to stand and worship with us as we behold our Savior.
and reflect on God's goodness to us. And because he is good, we have so much to celebrate and much to give away because we've been given much. And so as we read our offering prayer together, um, just acknowledge how good God has been to you and be listening for what he might ask of you. Um, and that doesn't even have to be 
giving resources could be giving time, um, giving him your heart. So just be open to what he has to say to you tonight. Let's read this together. Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gifts to us, your son and your spirit. Amen. Let's rejoice. Saunders to the King, 
a roar of harmonies, eternal praise the Lord, praise the Lord, sing His greatness, all creation, praise the Lord, oh raise your voice, you stay standing uh, for the reading of God's word tonight. Hello, Mosaic. I'm Bill Walker, and this is my wife, Missy Walker. And uh, we have been at Mosaic a little over 20 years, and uh, we co-lead a community group with Mark and Lisa Jostad, we also uh, help serve coffee and uh, help with offering. So uh, let's read from the Word. Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. John 16, 23 through 24. If you shall ask the Father for anything, he will give it to you in my name. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be made full. In Colossians 4, 2, devote yourselves to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. James 5, 13 through 15. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, make time to think, ponder, reflect, dwell and focus on these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good evening. So far, so good? Okay, okay. Well, not for me. Uh, at the outset, I want to give a very sincere thank you, uh, first of all, to Tom. Tom, are you in here? 
prompt for this. Oh, I, I see that hand. Okay. Um, thank you for that exercise that you put together and led us through, and for all the things that you do. Um, that's something small. It doesn't take a long time, but those kinds of things, practicing those, can make a big difference in our lives. And Bill and Missy, thank you for sharing those verses, precious passages on, on prayer. Uh, tonight, we're in uh, the second of a 10 teaching series on uh, the spiritual life on rhythms. And quite frankly, I have been going to church for over 50 years. I have gone to thousands of services. I've heard all kinds of messages. I've heard all kinds of series. And um, in all candor, there are very few series that are more valuable, more important, can have a greater impact in your life than the one we're in right now. Uh, understanding the rhythms of, uh, in a sense, becoming conformed to our Lord Jesus Christ, the rhythms that come from a more intimate love relationship with him, the rhythms that come and, and lead us into walking closer with him are just invaluable. And uh, as I was asked to talk tonight about prayer, um, I thought, well, what might God want me to talk about? I've read over 100 books on prayer. I've given series. I've written chapters. I've done half-day workshops. So the problem wasn't what might God want me to say. But I had a special kind of prompting. A couple months ago, I said, God, how might you want me to best serve my family at Mosaic? I was at Mosaic the very first service they had, so I've been coming here a long time. Um, what might you want me to share? And I had a very clear sense that, you know, Gary, don't just give some good information. You're going to get some good information tonight. Don't just give some inspiration. I think they'll leave inspired tonight. But my prompting was to help us and let me help you better understand how to apply it, how to do it. You see, for much of my life, I knew about prayer, but I wasn't a person of prayer. And having good information and good inspiration doesn't necessarily lead to application where it becomes a part of us. Does that make sense? Yeah, so tonight um, we'll be looking at some simple, easy, and fail-safe ways to make prayer a regular and reflexive part of our daily routine. And I pray in about a half hour that you're going to leave with a fresh understanding of prayer and some simple, practical tools that you can use to help make prayer a more regular part of who you are day in and day out. Let me start, though, with some common questions I've been asked for many years about prayer, okay? Uh, number one, what does God want for me? And I think, yeah, the other verses, okay, Psalms, God delights in blessing his people. God enjoys in blessing his people. Blessing you, blessing me, makes God happy. Why? I don't have the foggiest idea why. But again and again, we are told that God delights. Christ came, John 10, <clears throat> that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. More abundantly, okay? Jesus invites us, John 15, to be filled with his joy. 
not just to have a few drops, not just have a half cup, okay? Uh, not just have a go to the top, but to be filled with his joy, and that our joy, so somehow we can have the joy that the creator of the universe has in, in some way to be filled and to have our cups may overflow. Wow. God wants to help us become more than survivors. We are more than survivors. What a great song, huh? We are more than those who, no, we are more than conquerors. And I've had many seasons in my life where for a season I felt more than conquered. But the habit of prayer and meditation and some of these rhythms helped me continue to move through them in ways where when I came out the other side, I understood a little bit more of what it means to be more than a conqueror. Because the more we have these rhythms, the less vulnerable we are to letting our circumstances determine our reality. And that is so reflexive for us. And by us, I mean me <clears throat> and you. Things happen, and that kind of defines where we're at. But actually, our reality was ultimately defined by, by who we are because of whose we are. More than conquerors. Oh, God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond all we can ask or think. Now, how much can you ask or think? I can ask or think a lot. And I have asked or thought a lot, okay? But he wants to do exceedingly, but no, exceedingly, abundantly, no, exceedingly, abundantly beyond. I mean, God gets carried away sometimes, okay? I mean, exceedingly is not enough. Exceedingly, abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Now, now if these verses are true, if this is what God wants for us, then why do so many Christians spend so much time discouraged, defeated, dejected, and depressed? Some of you have come in here tonight, right now, defeated, discouraged, dejected, and depressed. Why are we, and notice I'm saying we, not you, but us, me, you. Why are we just as anxious and fearful as non-Christians? I mean, does our faith make any difference? Does the fact that you are a daughter and I am a son, that I am in him, that his promises are ours, doesn't that make a difference? And if not, why? And, and if not, how? Well, let's jump into that. After decades of research on prayer, <clears throat> I discovered that for close to 2,000 years, the men and women who consistently walked close to God, who became more than conquerors, the men and women who exhibited the abundant life were simply men and women who faithfully prayed. Prayer and meditation were a part of their rhythm. It's a part of how they lived their life. It's something they did, but it was also a part of who they were. Lodging, you know, I was raised in a Christian home, went to Sunday school at 12 years, didn't miss a Sunday, memorized hundreds of verses before I went into Bible college. And um, I, I, I knew prayer was important. <clears throat> I, I talked to God a lot. But I spent little time actually praying. 
talking with him, listening for him, pondering, meditating on his words. I had more of a shopping list model. I had a need, I'd go to God, I wanted this, I would go to God, I had a complaint, I would go to God. So I had more the shopping list model of prayer, or the life stinks model of prayer, or help fix me model of prayer, or help deal with what's his name because she's really messed up model of prayer, okay? I mean, you guys don't have that problem, but I have sometimes. And uh, that was more functionally my model of prayer. It was more of a one-way monologue than a conversation. So, here's another question. What is prayer? And here are my two of my favorite definitions. They're short by people you may not have heard of. Prayer is a conversation. It's not a monologue, but prayer is a conversation between two people who love each other. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to unpack that for you a bit. <clears throat> And then uh, Henry Allen, prayer is being with Jesus and simply spending time with him. John 10, 37 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. My sheep hear my voice. And that involves us my not just talking to him or at him, but listening for him and learning how to hear his voice and being able to sense his voice. And that takes time, and that takes practice. What makes prayer so difficult? Uh, well, at least for me, many of us, uh, I mean, when I was growing up, we don't know how to pray. I mean, growing up, I, I, I learned um, about, you know, prayer for going to bed at night and before meals. Um, uh, I, I heard, Lord, thank you for this food, thank you for this meal. Um, and um, in fact, when I was in June, junior high, I came home with a prayer that a friend taught me. <clears throat> uh, before the meal, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay, God. But my parents didn't like it. And they said, never pray that prayer again. But anyway, um, yeah, so um, it took a while for me to learn how to pray. And that prayer was more than just a, a monologue. Uh, number two, we think we're supposed to feel something, but it often feels like nothing's happening. So often when I pray, I don't feel a thing. And I usually spend about 15, 20 minutes just in prayer every morning. I haven't always done that, so don't think it's a big deal. And I really feel like, oh, I, I don't hear, you know, it's like, but what I found <clears throat> And I learned this from folks who've been dead a couple hundred years, uh, old saints and, and some folks today, is that so often the prayer we pray, we don't sense a change until throughout the day. So often those days, I find I'm a bit more patient. I find I'm not quite as judgmental. I'm not quite as negative. I listen just a wee bit better. And um, yeah. We think we're supposed to feel something, but it doesn't always happen. We don't have prepared minds and hearts. Now, we don't always have to have prepared minds and hearts. Sometimes as I'm driving, I'm watching, I mean, you know, these prayers are fine, but at times it's nice to sit, maybe have the word, read the passage, meditate, ponder it, 
They had prepared minds and hearts. No one taught me how to do that. <clears throat> this next one, we are easily distracted. Now, you may not be, but I am easily distracted, and our minds wander. Our minds wander very, you know, I can watch a football game, and uh, for some reason, man, I'm there. And uh, I can watch a basketball game, whatever, and, and I'm there, I'm present. <laughs> when I was uh, a young therapist, uh, I'm a clinical psychologist, and a young therapist, I remember the first time a wife said, Doc, <clears throat> she said, I think my husband's brain and my brains are different. And I asked her why. She said, well, she said, sometimes I'll come in and he's watching the game, and I'll uh, say, honey, what are you thinking about? And he'll say, nothing. And I'll say, you know, really, what are you thinking about? And he'll say, nothing. And she'll say, talk. It's impossible for people not to think nothing. She said, I'm always, something's always going on. And, and so why won't he tell me what he's thinking about? And I had to explain that, see, you're a woman, and he's a man. And women have more, literally more connectors between our left hemisphere and right hemisphere than, than men do. And also, men in their brain have an area where there's nothing. There's nothing at all lobe, okay? So, women, you don't have a nothing lobe, okay? So, you can't be thinking nothing. But we men, there are times when we can think nothing. <laughs> okay, I'm exaggerating a bit. Uh, but... <clears throat> Not, not a ton. Yeah, it's easy to get distracted and our minds wander. And um, we get distracted by our jumping monkeys. So I first read the jumping monkeys metaphor was Brother Lawrence in Practicing the Presence and uh, an amazing book, about 200 years old, and others have talked about the Dallas Brothers and uh, Henry Nowen. And uh, <clears throat> it's kind of like if you've been to the zoo in Tulsa, they have an island with monkeys. And there are certain times when the monkeys are just zipping and zipping. It's like they're having a mating season. And you can't hear a thing. But often when we go to prayer, our minds become very active. And we have jumping monkeys. Have any of you ever had that happen? Just, yeah. In fact, for those of you who haven't, let me show you where to start, okay? Um, many of you know the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to bow my head and close my eyes, and I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer out loud. If you know it, just kind of say it to yourself, okay? Just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. And I I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer and, and watch what may happen. <clears throat> you ready? Okay. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our day. Now, okay? Some of you may not have heard anything, but some of you may have heard some jumping monkeys, okay? And uh, so that's, that's kind of what can happen, distractions. Now here are two questions. What are some of my most powerful distractions? What are some of your most powerful distractions? We all have them. We all have areas of vulnerability. We all have areas of weakness, maybe something visual we see when we're in the store shopping or something we hear. Maybe um, someone drives by with a nicer car than we have. 
Maybe they live in a nicer home than we do. We all have distractions. Second question, when am I more vulnerable to being distracted? And for most of us, one of the times that we're most vulnerable, again, is when we're in a time of prayer. Okay, what difference can prayer make in my life? Four things. And, and, and we could do an evening uh, talk on each one of these four, but let me summarize them for you. Prayer impacts our circumstances. Time and time again, in the New Testament or Old Testament, the people go to God, they beseech God, and God intervenes, and circumstances change. Doesn't always happen, but prayer impacts our circumstances. Prayer impacts our relationships. Over there is people who I have a hard time getting along with, who don't appreciate how wonderful I am, who don't understand what an amazing sense of humor I have, but how blessed they are to be my, I'm, I'm kidding, okay. Um, I've asked God, Lord, help me be more patient. Help me to listen better. Help me to ask more questions. Help me to be quick to forgive. And so, in time and time again, I've seen God help bring about changes in my life that made me a better husband, a better father, a better son, a better friend. So prayer impacts our relationships. Number three, prayer impacts our perspective. Many of us spend more time, I have, asking God for what isn't, which isn't a problem, than we do thanking God for what is. I never thank God for my tongue until I lost it. I never thank God for my ability to taste until I lost almost all of my salivary glands due to my seventh cancer surgery. I never thank God for my saliva. <clears throat> I mean, it's just bit, right? Until I lost most of it. But no, saliva is part of our immune system. Saliva helps us digest our food. Saliva is a big deal. I, I never knew that. And there were so many things I didn't thank God for. I, I, I sang count my blessings, but I never really did it. Like my ability to walk, I'm ambulatory. We're all here tonight. Thank goodness everybody is wearing clothes. We're all clothes. You may wish they were nicer clothes, but we all got them. Most of you have had some food today, and the list goes on and on. Now, you might say, Gary, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. We see that in Scripture. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Last of all, prayer impacts the person who prays. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. At times, have you ever felt helpless? I have. Some of you are in a time right now where you feel helpless. Hmm. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. And then this last line, I pray because it changes me. I've memorized scripture, I've done this, I've done that, but, and, and all the good things, important things that we do, one of the most transformational things is the practice of prayer and meditation. Prayer is transformational. Okay, what can I pray about or for? Are my prayers primarily a shopping list 
or a conversation. Uh, about a month and a half ago, I was curious. And, and, and by the way, about 50 to 70% of the Psalms are Psalms of lament or Psalms of complaint, <clears throat> okay? David complained, criticized, challenged, moaned, groaned, whined, doubted, asked questions. Huh? And he was a man after God's own heart. And so we can do all of those things, and, and, and God invites that. I, I had a big surprise. Um, my, my, my first ministry job was as a youth director at a small church next to the largest high school in Anaheim, which is in Southern California. And uh, we had a, a, a young guy, a long-haired, a long-haired uh, hippie <laughs> come, and uh, a friend we brought him said, yeah, Gary, he is the biggest drug dealer on our campus, the largest high school in Orange County. I think it's over 3,000 students. The biggest drug dealer, and uh, he's really involved in drugs across <clears throat> our area. And he came, he listened, and about the fourth time there, I talked to him and he prayed to receive Christ. And an amazing thing happened. I mean, there was a transformation. In the first month, he read to and made some highlights of the entire New Testament. One month. He began bringing some of his friends to church, and they were kind of strange folks, too. And uh, the transformation was astonishing. And um, We were having a prayer time one night, and we were sitting in a circle on the floor, about 55 kids. And uh, I said, hey, let's join hands and go around the room and then thank God for something. So we were in prayer and thanking God. It had been a great night, and God was at work. And it came to Ron almost at the end. And people had thanked God for almost everything you could thank God for in public, okay? And uh, <clears throat> so Ron says, uh, okay, God, um, I thank you for my armpits. The group lost it. I mean, thank God for my armpits. And, and a poor guy, Ron was embarrassed. But what happened was I scooted over to him, and God said, okay, dear, here. I took his hand. I said, Ron, you know, you probably didn't mean to praise that. It is funny, right? And he laughed. And I said, but you know what? Armpits are important. If we didn't have pits, we probably couldn't move our arm. So we would play baseball like this. We would play basketball like this. We would golf like that. And football would really be weird. So maybe our armpits just aren't a joke. We can thank God for anything. So how can I make prayer a regular part of my day? Habits don't just happen. They always begin with the first step. When I climbed Mount Ararat on an expedition for Noah's Ark, I had to make a first step. When I climbed Mount Rainier, I had to make a first step. When I climbed the Grand Teton, I had to make a first step. In fact, let me show you what's happened with that. So there's the Grand Teton, and um, the first day we hiked up to a saddle, and that is actually a glacier, so you can't just walk across it like a ski slope. Uh, you can, at any point, drop down 50 feet, so you have to be roped up. 
drives up the next morning about 3.30, and this is about 7 a.m., looking out at Idaho, very cold, and we're climbing up sheer walls. And sometimes in life we have sheer walls. We have barriers, and they actually got worse the higher we got. There were three of us roped up, but there were a number of, of, of falls. She has just come up about a 50, 55 foot sheer wall of granite. Up, upper right hand corner, um, there were numerous points that if we fell, we probably would have gone a good 6,000 feet down. But you know what? <clears throat> we made the summit. Stayed about 20 minutes because storms were coming. Amazing time. The Grand Tetons. But this is the end of the story. Here's how it started. At JBUs, there are 100 steps, and uh, they go up. And I began to go up five times a week, up and down once, then up and down twice, then up and down three, three times, and you did up, and then you'd have to uh, go back down. At the end, I went up several times, 35 times up and down with a 10-pound weight. That's not very exciting, is it? But you see, the first step is the one that makes a difference. Then you make another step, and you do it one step at a time. And that's how we gain strength. And that's how we car carve out holy habits and sacred rhythms. This would never have happened without those gazillion steps. And the daily times of prayer that may feel like they're of no benefit at all can't not be. Because with each next step, we're using something that our brains can do called neuroplasticity. And we are carving out new, actual new neural pathways. What is neuroplasticity? Well, I think up here it, it tells us. Neuroplasticity is the ability of the brain to change throughout life. The brain is always changing and growing. We can create new neural connections, carve out new neural pathways, and carve out, sorry, new neural pathways. We can actually become physically and spiritually transformed by the renewing and rewiring of our brains. So some of you might say, what is Gary talking about? Well, watch this short clip. Rhythms and these habits that we develop actually have a physiological impact on our brain, on our mind, and they can become substantially reflexive. That's not theory, that's fact. So, what are some simple first steps? I'm gonna wrap it up. Here are a couple of things that I and many have found helpful. One is the double ought minute prayers. That may sound weird, I understand. About 25 years ago, more than that, um, I realized that I needed some help making prayer and, and thanking God a regular part of my day. So I thought, well, whenever I see the big hand on the 12, I'll thank God for something. If I'm walking with somebody, I, I can just say thank you and, and they'll never know. And uh, so I called the big hand on the 12 prayer people thought it was funny. But I had a lot of folks say, you know, Doc, um, I've been doing that and I find myself thanking God 10, 15 times a, a, a day sometimes. Uh, but then I have a digital watch now so there's no big hand. 
So uh, when I see zero, zero, that's like the big hand, okay? When I see zero, zero, but I didn't want to say my zero, zero prayers or my oh, oh prayers. So uh, I, I call it the double ought <laughs> prayers. I know, I know. But one thing, and if the only thing you do is for the next week, whenever you see zero, zero on your watch, just thank God for something. That's increasing your rhythm. That's strengthening your prayer life. Not rocket science, eh? Uh, number two, an app. One of my favorite apps is Lectio 365. Lectio 365, and I've encouraged you to look at it. It's about seven minutes. It involves prayer, meditation on the world, word, times to pause. I've been starting my mornings for about seven years, about 5 a.m. with Lectio 365. Um, maybe for the next seven days, just try Lectio 365 sometime during the day. That will help you begin to develop more of a habit in making this a part of your rhythm. God was given a card when you came in. Grab your card, okay? The blue is for men, the purple is for women. The only difference is there's a line where the blue says man, there's a line where the purple says woman. Um, over about a 10, 12 year period, God helped me develop this Jesus prayer, and I pray this sometimes 15, 20 times a day. It starts out with a prayer that goes back centuries. Dear Lord Jesus, Son of God, <clears throat> have mercy on me, a sinner. Come to my assistance and make haste to help me. Would you read that with me out loud? Dear Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Come to my assistance and make haste to help me. And then I realized over time that I rarely thank God for loving me. I asked him for stuff, but I, I really said, God, thank you for loving me. And I rarely told him I loved him. So I added, thank you for loving me, and I love you too. Would you say that with me? Thank you for loving me. And then I found I still struggled sometimes with fear and some of that stuff. So I I added, help me to choose courage, to fear not, fret not, and faint not. Would you repeat that with me? Help me to choose courage. And then maybe you don't have a problem with your mind, I do. And uh, so I added, please continue to cleanse my mind and create in me a pure heart. Would you repeat that with me? Please. And then the next line, help me become a man that you can trust. Where I got that from, when Billy Graham came to Orange County in the 70s, I became friends with one of the four key guys in his team for the entire time. There was Billy Graham, Cliff Barrows, Ted Smith, and George Beverly Shade. Ted and I became friends. We were having dinner at a restaurant across from Disneyland. And I said, Tom, I, I, I'm sorry, I said, Ted, I have a question for you. I said, why Billy? Of all the people in the world, why did God choose Billy Graham? And I remember hearing Graham say, I'm not good looking, I'm not funny, I'm not athletic, I'm not brilliant, I'm, 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 I'm not a Bible professor, uh, and I'm not the most exciting speaker. I heard Graham say that several times. And Ted smiled at me. And he said, you know, Gary, about a year after that big crusade and 
Los Angeles in 1947, we begin to understand that in Billy Graham, God found a man that he could trust. I never forgot that. And I began to pray, God, help me become a man that you can trust. And ladies, sir, says, woman, help me become a woman that you can trust for your honor and glory, not mine, but yours. Would you repeat that with me? Help me become a man that you can trust for your honor and glory. Then, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray that with me? In the name of the Father. Okay, so now what? So now what? Here's a simple, fail-safe invitation. Two minutes. Luke 16, he or she who is faithful in little, little things is, will become faithful also much. It takes time, but if we're faithful in little things, we will become faithful in much. The next seven days, or if you're really buff, the next 30 days, but for most of us, like just the next seven days. Make a commitment to do at least one thing. Just one thing. Start the day with the Jesus prayer. Uh, or maybe use a double art prayer throughout the day and just say, God, thank you when you see zero, zero. Or let the OSP 65, something. Not a big deal. Any of us can do this. But it takes the first step. I never would have climbed up Mount Ararat if I hadn't taken the first step. I never would have climbed Mount Rainier if I hadn't taken the first step. I never would have climbed Devil's Tower if I hadn't taken the first step. I never would have made the summit of the Grand if it wasn't the first step and subsequent steps. And I wouldn't be whatever I am today of any value if I didn't continue taking small steps. It's not rocket science. It's not a function of IQ. It's just being faithful in little with those small daily steps. If you don't feel anything after you pray, no biggie. Just do it again tomorrow. If you miss a day, no biggie. Just pick it up to the next day. It's not about performing. Guys, remember that he is a promise keeper. He delights, he enjoys blessing you. He loves us. He loves you. He died and rose again for us. He delights and enjoys blessing his people. So let's just do it, okay? Let's just do it. Let's close. Uh, would you close with me uh, by repeating the Jesus prayer out loud together? And immediately bow your head down and just kind of look at your card. And, um, you ready? Let's begin. Dear Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Amen. 
a mosaic family uh, in the honor of, or in honor of Jesus, in honor of remembering what he's done for us. Prayer directs us towards him. We're going to take communion. And so in just a second, we'll, we'll stand. And if you'll exit to your left, and there's four stations up here for kind of the four sections. And grab communion and then enter back in your row on this side. And just hold that communion as we sing through uh, this song. And at the end of the song, I'll guide us in taking that together corporately. So, so go ahead and stand and start to gather communion as we sing.
Jesus was betrayed, he offered up this, this phrase that his body was the bread that was broken for our sins, for my sins, it was broken. So take and eat, remember. Then he offered the cup and he said, this is the blood that was spilled for you. So take, drink, and remember. As we close out the night with one more song, it's about yielding. So as we sing this, Lord, I need you, let's think about what is it to yield to Jesus as we go out from this place.
So teach my song. So teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. When I cannot stand, when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. You're my hope and stay, Lord. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. You're my one defense, my thank you mosaic for coming tonight for uh, stepping into a place where we can be safe and worship jesus but let's take that out and so uh if you need prayer i mean we talked about prayer a whole lot tonight if you need prayer we got prayer cards in the back please fill those out anything uh we want as a staff pray for for you all and so throughout the week and so uh if this is your first time we have info booth uh we also have a prayer team down at the front if you need prayer uh, we uh, want to get to meet you, get, get you connected. And so if you want to figure out how you can get involved or just find out more about Mosaic, go to that center booth in the foyer and find out more information. So, but as we go out of here, just want to encourage you, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And the people said, thanks, thanks be to God. God. You guys are dismissed. Have a great night.